You might not realize it, but life has a soundtrack. For most of us, it sounds a bit like... But you can always change the station. In hundreds of Delta Airlines destinations, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everybody, and welcome to us rolling or roaring into the 20s, I should say. Um, So today we want to kind of celebrate closing out 2019 and looking forward to 2020 and just give you a bit of a market update on what's going on with business sales. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for all intents and purposes, it's been a great year in business sales, uh, especially for the sellers. I mean, they are selling on the upswing of a very strong economy. They, the economy, uh, I think that we've never had an economy that has gone through an entire decade on the upswing like it has. So it's been a really good economy for people to make money and therefore, uh, and with money being cheap and with buyers being plentiful, uh, that's just a recipe for a great time to sell your business. So we're seeing those kind of things happen. Now, there's been a few things this year that might have put a little bit of pause here and there, right? Right. I mean, we have a a few different things that happened. I mean, starting um, at the beginning of the year, we did have the government shutdown, which trickled down and affected a few businesses that we saw revenues dip in Q1 across different industries. The good news is they rebounded. Um, So we came out of that. So we're kind of saying, all right, that was one thing that happened, but it's not a long-term effect. And then we also are starting to see some slight slowdowns. And and we're referring to this um, report that Biz by Sell puts together every quarter. It's a great report called their Insight Report. Um, But they're saying, that like some slight slowdowns as the tariffs start to impact um, the businesses and their profit numbers. And also the 2020 election fostering some uncertainty coming up in the next few quarters. Yeah, we, we've had a, a company that we've been working on packaging and bringing to the market that was importing products from uh, China. And we've had to put a, a hold on that process because, you know, there's just so much uncertainty that it's not fair to either the buyers or the sellers to try to get a transaction done right now. But for the most part, you know, the costs of the tariffs have either been absorbed by the consumer or absorbed by uh, the the manufacturer, even overseas. So uh, we don't we're not seeing a huge dip because of that, right? No, we're really not. Um, and I mean, this could go back to, you know, um, looking at biz by sales reported transactions this is across all brokers across the country versus we're looking at also just trans world's numbers too. So it could be something that we're just seeing within our own practice. And it, it could be because we're continuing to grow at the same time. Um, we had a really big growth here at Transworld, and we've acquired a lot of new listings, a lot of new offices and not a lot of new buyers. So that could be why we're not seeing the impact of the trend as much. 
much, but even just anecdotally talking to as many business owners as we do, we haven't seen the widespread effect of the tariffs affecting business values at all. Um, and same thing with the 2020 election. Like I just, um, we haven't seen any of that uncertainty yet. We know going into an election year, there usually is uncertainty across every industry, um, but that hasn't really hit business valuations yet. And we still have a strong pool of buyers and really strong businesses to sell. Yeah, I haven't seen the election, you know, really affect anything yet. I, I guess it really hasn't gotten going yet. And people are just kind of used to uh, the political scene being chaotic. Uh, so I think everybody's feeling pretty good that no matter what happens next year, uh, business will continue to roll on. I mean, there, there might be a pause next year if uh, people feel that the election is going to be close or go one way or the other. But other than that, um, again, like you said, Trans World has had a fantastic year. We're going to sell um, as many businesses uh, and more here in Florida. Uh, and we are having record number of sales as far as gross sales are concerned. Uh, you know, we're going to do well over 200 million in small business categories. So that's a, that's a really prolific rate. And we're seeing that across the United States, obviously with our franchisees, us filling in uh, almost 40 new offices across the United States and them getting up to speed and starting to sell things through our funnel of our, you know, online marketplace that we have at Transworld. So it's been an incredible year and we don't see any signs of it slowing down. No. And, and what we look at too, is we look at, you know, as we're bringing new listings to market, how are the businesses doing? And, and we're seeing similar numbers in Colorado, you know, our, our transactions are up, our average transaction size is up, our average meet, uh, multiple is up. And that's really attributable because the small businesses are doing well. So biz by sell does say that like, you know, in the last they reported is Q3, but small business financial help health is up over last year. So small businesses are still doing well. They're still growing in terms of revenue. They're still growing in terms of their cash flow and profitability. And that's really helping bring out good valuations. You know, as these buyers keep flocking to the marketplace, they're willing to pay good valuations because the businesses are reporting good financials. Um, you tie that together with, you know, having really, really low interest rates right now for small business acquisitions, probably the lowest we've ever seen. And you're also getting a lot of um, deals that are getting done with SBA loans. So a lot of the sellers are getting a large chunk of their cash up front. So an interesting trend what we're seeing in our office is, yes, we're still doing seller financing deals, but there's a larger percentage being done with loans um, because they're so readily available for the buyers right now. Yeah. And, and those kind of things drive the multiples up too. If people can leverage their money and buy uh, solid businesses, uh, they're going to take more risk, obviously, if they could take the risk with other people's money. So we're seeing that as well. And, uh, you know, we have cautioned the sellers out there in the world that it may be time to come to the market because it's so yes. good. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, again, you know, biz by sales said Q3, uh, up four and a half percent of the median revenue of a small business was up four and a half percent. And of course that translated into a higher price. And we're seeing that across the board here, uh, across the United States, we see the prices uh, are going up and, and it's not necessarily that the multiples are creeping up, although I think they are because of things like financing, because of things like there's so many buyers in the marketplace. Um, but we're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing the revenue, the, the earnings drive the 
drive those prices higher. So I don't think that's slowing down. It's still a great time to buy a business. Um, so I, I wouldn't hesitate to buy business. It's very hard to time the marketplace. Uh, so, you know, again, you know, they, things might slow down in the SBA financing if uh, there's, you know, if they start to crunch down on the, uh, on, on, the, on the government spending and things like that. But you never know. I mean, you never know. You never know. And right now you can get a lot for your money, right? So if rates start to creep up, you, you get less for your money. So there's always that to consider. And it, it is, you're right. It's hard, high, hard to time the market, but at least you can time it with the, the capital and how much you're paying for that capital. So in terms of industries, they've re remained pretty steady over the last few years, but if we haven't covered it before, typically what you're going to see is that um, services are really the big chunk of small business sales by sector um, in terms of what uh, biz by sales reporting. And then restaurants is number two, retails number three. Those are the three big ones in buying and selling small businesses. And we continue to see that in 2019 and, and really don't expect that to change too much in 2020. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh you know, unless there's a major slowdown in the construction industry, uh, we could see that this, you know, that industry kind of dip below, uh, which is basically the part, the service industry. We could see uh, maybe retail creep up uh, other, uh, but you see the restaurants always kind of being number one. Uh, but, you know, and they should break out construction, by the way. It would be an interesting stat between construction and service. And 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 we were just talking uh, in a couple of podcasts ago, our last podcast about janitorial. And that is, that could be construction, that could be service. So it could be both. So, uh, you know, and we're seeing also certain regions in the country doing very well. And in this report, uh, Los Angeles uh, was number one, the Los Angeles area followed by uh, St. Pete, Florida. Those two kind of things aren't surprising. But what's kind of surprising, I think, is number three is New York, New Jersey, and PA coming up to number three, which uh, we've talked about uh, super economic uh, areas, and, uh, and, that, and New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania was uh, one of those super things. So you're seeing more activity there. Of course, number four was that, uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Dallas, below that. And then you're seeing... Interestingly enough, Chicago. It's, it's interesting. I always like to look at this report too, because what's interesting about the markets and how biz buy sell um, calculates closed transactions is that sometimes you see the major markets in the top five, and then sometimes sprinkled in there, you see smaller markets and the major markets are below them. And I think what that really tells you is that if you're a small business owner or you're a buyer, the markets are active across the entire US. You don't have to be in a major market to have a good opportunity to buy or sell. And some of the other things that Biz Buy Sell is reporting on is there's some markets that have struggled in the past that are really starting to, um, you know, pull through and grow. They're saying Detroit posted an 81% increase in closed transactions over last year. So, I mean, that's great. But I think overall, like the markets all across the U.S. are very, very strong, whether you're in a small market, a mid-sized market, or a major market. Yeah, and they also report on the medium price, uh, sale price of businesses. And not surprisingly, uh, San Francisco tops out at the, at the top. And, you know, I, I, that's probably skewed by some of the it and, uh, businesses that are sold there. But, you know, again, coming in number two, which is surprising to me is Tampa St. Pete. Uh, and then you have Seattle, which is not surprising in Boston and Chicago and Washington, Philadelphia, New York, Austin, of course, you know, being, 
another tech hub and up and coming city that we've talked about and Portland, another up and coming city, right? Yeah. Right. Maybe you guys closed like a big deal in Tampa or something. <laughs> Maybe That's we cute. did. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. But you know, overall, I, again, this sounds almost too positive, but the business sale market, it, it's in a great spot. And we've, we've talked a lot about if you're a seller thinking about coming to the market, if you're thinking about selling, not just because we're business brokers, but if, if you listen to this podcast and then you listen to our podcast about the baby boomers and our market update from last year, from the close of 2018, there really is not a better time to sell. Um, and once we start entering that seller tsunami, you know, it's, it's not getting much better better from here. So if you're, if you're on the sidelines, now's the time to jump in buyers. It's not a bad time to buy a business now, as long as rates and lending stay where they're at. Um, I mean, capital is so inexpensive and so readily available. Your money goes so far right now and you're buying businesses that are in really, really good financial health. Yeah. And we have a great show for you today with two great guests to talk about two other things that kind of affect the marketplace uh, for small business. And one of those things is my interview with Greg Geisenberger from Express. Um, and Express is a, you know, uh, professionals, uh, I think is the name of the, of the company. I always call it Express um, Personnel. I think that used to be their name. But anyway, Express is one of the worldwide franchisors in the, uh, you know, temporary help and, and placement uh, firms in the country. And Greg is right there in Chicago. Talk about a major market. And Greg talks about how tight the market is for labor and how that's affecting small business. Uh, and I think, you know, we just did another record jobs month with the uh, unemployment dipping the 3.5. And he talks about some of those metrics of how some of those, some of the people aren't in those statistics, but how they're, those people are even coming back into the marketplace. So there's a lot of good things that Greg has to talk about. Uh, and he's a super fan of our uh, podcast. So it was great to have him on. That's great. And we also have Phil Kubot on again. He was on last year to do our commercial real estate update. And he's back again talking about commercial real estate and how it affects business owners. He touches on, you know, when is it appropriate to buy a building? When is it appropriate to lease? And then what he's seeing in the commercial markets uh, nationwide as well and lending and things like that. And a lot goes hand in hand with business sales, but it's always something else you have to think about as a business owner, you know, in terms of your location going into next year, are you renewing a lease? Are you in the market for a commercial building? Um, so he's he's on again, provides some really some great insight for the listeners as well. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, and we kind of let it in with a nice long intro about the marketplace and uh, two more great guests, plus a listing of the week and a deal of the week. So let's get started. Yeah, let's get it. And happy 2020. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098.
Welcome back, everybody. And today, as you know, we're talking about how the market's doing and how we closed out 2019 and what to look forward to in 2020. Um, And besides business brokerage, another major marketplace that we see a lot of business owners focused in is the commercial real estate market. So I'm really excited to have an expert with us today, Phil Kubot, who's the managing partner of Transworld Commercial Real Estate in Denver, Colorado. Phil, welcome back to the show. Hey, yeah, Jeff. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me today. So why don't you, I, I briefly introduced you, but why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about your background and about yourself, what you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. So I've um, been a commercial real estate broker for the last uh, 15 years and uh, real core focus on small business owners and helping them build wealth through real estate. So really just taking those small business owners who have been leasing for a long time and helping them get through the process of buying a building. Uh, that can service their built, uh, their business needs. Awesome. Awesome. Which actually you helped us do as well. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk about what are the biggest trends that you saw in commercial real estate in 2019? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, I think when you look at the overall economy, it's been moving along very nicely, especially here in Denver, Colorado. Um, interesting enough, rental, I'm sorry, interesting enough, financing rates have dropped. So uh, the cost of money and the cost to borrow is a lot less. And so I'm seeing a lot more small business owners transition from that leasing conversation into the buying side. Uh, the one challenge I would say that a lot of them have run into is is the lack of inventory and the fact that vacancy rates are an all-time low uh, and pricing is an all-time high. But a lot of people have done well in business uh, these last several years, and so They've pre-qualified on their loans and they've been able to get out into the market to, to actually buy real estate and start building wealth that way. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, the rates are crazy low, right? And it's sometimes, yeah. sometimes it does low rates do make up for the higher prices, but um, it's just a lot, a lot of stuff that's available out there. So, you know, what, what would you say to a business owner that's considering renting versus owning? Like who's a good candidate for owning versus what are some situations that leasing might be more appropriate? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I would say somebody that's been in business for at least five years, uh, that's, that's very lendable. Um, the conversation always starts with their lender to get pre-qualified to make sure that they can um, qualify for a loan. And then they would obviously need a good qualified commercial real estate broker to talk to them about what kind of pricing they're seeing in the market, what type of terms, and making sure that they're in alignment with that market. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for the person who's uh, been in business for quite some time and has uh, shown some, some strong balance sheets and P&L. Great. And, and then, so maybe newer business owners, startups, people less than five years in, leasing is a, a much better opportunity. So what, are, what does leasing look like right now? Is still higher rates than, than typical? Yeah. Um, for the most part across the market, vacancies at all time low and rental rates are at all time high. Um, and, you know, there's definitely reasons to lease. And a lot of it has to be, uh, has to, to do with um, the small business owner who's just getting started. Um, upfront costs like down payments and tenant improvement costs can really make an expensive proposition upfront just from a cash perspective to buy a building. Um, and then financing issues are also a, a hurdle to clear, like we just spoke about, uh, you know, getting pre-qualified for a loan with your current lender, et cetera. Um, but leasing also gives the business owner a little more flexibility on being able to move on from a location or if they outgrow their space, if they're seeing a lot of growth right now. 
uh, leasing can be a good opportunity for a small business owner to have some flexibility in the short term. Yeah, especially if you're growing fast. I mean, moving offices can be expensive, yeah. especially if you if you've bought the the building. So that's that's a good point. If you're a fast growing company, leasing is a better option. So overall, yeah. Oh, so overall, like, how would you say the market is performing? Are we at the height, or or where would you say we are right now? You know, I would say that um, as far as the height of the market goes, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, we still see a lot of um, we still we're still seeing a lot of new projects coming online. Uh, we're seeing a lot of new build and new construction. As those huge chunks of space are hitting the market, it's driving more competition into the marketplace, which is driving rental rates down and making it a little bit more fair for for tenants. And then on the buy side, it's really competitive depending on what market segment you're looking in. Uh, the industrial flex market is super competitive, um, you know, with um, a lot of these online retailers uh, needing more warehousing space. It's putting pressure on on some markets. Um, you know, marijuana has been a, a, a talk track here in Colorado for a long time where they've eaten up a lot of the warehouse space. Office space, uh, you can still buy good um, office buildings at a good fair rate these days. The vacancies are certainly tighter. Um, but they're still priced well. And then retail is the one where um, I would keep an eye on it. Uh, we're about to go through the shopping season. And um, we had a really big bump up here uh, going into Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to see how the holiday shopping pattern shifts and how that affects brick and mortar. I know that there were about 9,000 stores that shut down their brick and mortar locations. Um, but there's new concepts that are in the market these days in, in um, retail, like fitness, uh, digital native, digital native brands, or something a lot of people are talking about. Uh, so there's um, you know, definitely some people that are coming in and taking over some of those closed shops. And you know, a lot of the retail people I talk to think that there's still some great opportunity there for investing. Right. Yeah. Retail's the one. You're right. It's most interesting because the the online retailers have hurt you know, the small mom and pop in some of the retail shops. But you look and like you know, I was walking through Cherry Creek, which is an area in Denver, the other day, and Amazon now has a giant bookstore, which is just so ironic, right? That they you know, put all the borders out of business, and now they have a, a brick and mortar bookstore. Um, but it is interesting right. to see, and like you walk through the mall, and some of the online retailers like Casper and things like that are are starting to take space back. So it's it's just. Um, very, um, I guess, fluid right now is the retail the retail market. Yeah, it is. You know, there's a big focus always on, uh, when you're talking about retail, on consumer spending habits. And um, the National Retail Federation, they're forecasting retail sales to rise 3.8 to 4.2% over last year in 2020. Um, so, you know, that as long as consumers continue to spend money, retail will continue to thrive. Uh, the people that put projects into their pipeline in 2019 and, and going into 2020 are going to start reaping the benefits of all of that additional spending. Uh, so yeah, they always say the best time to buy a building is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So um, with that in mind, you know, what should our listeners um, that own businesses or, or thinking about buying a business, you know, what should they be watching for in 2020 when it comes to commercial real estate? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I always say keep an eye on the banks. You know, I always I always watch uh, the bond market just to see how banks are lending because commercial real estate really starts and stops as lenders continue to lend or if they start shutting things off at the top, it can make a huge impact. Um, the other thing is, is to keep an eye out for future developments. If you're going into an area and you're going to be purchasing a retail center or an office building or an industrial building, 
make sure you talk to your broker about future uh, construction. I've, I've uh, seen some owners uh, buy buildings at a good rate in an area, and then a massive uh, project can come in across the street or just down the road, and it can create competition for those local owners. So always keep an eye on those two things. That's really good advice and really good to know. Yeah. So Phil, if somebody has additional questions around commercial real estate um, or wants to get into contact with you, if they're looking in the the Denver, Colorado area, how can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They can reach me at uh, transworldcre.com. You can also give me a call on my cell phone at 303-981-1936. Great. And we'll drop those in the show notes for everybody. But Phil, thanks for coming back on the show, giving us a a quick update about commercial real estate um, that we're looking forward to in the 20s. And we look forward to having you on again soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Jessica. I really appreciate the time today. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back, everybody. And today for our deal of the week, we have Alf Yakovich from our Trans World Rocky Mountain office joining us back in the show. Al, welcome back. Jessica, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about this deal that you recently sold. Right. This was an amazing deal. It was a light manufacturing company. We had the deal listed at about $2 million. It sold for $1.9 million, and the SDE was between six and 700000 Sounds like a great deal. Who was the buyer and where'd you find him? We found a really great buyer. It was a a gentleman that was working in corporate sales and he was going to run the business or is running the business with his daughter and son-in-law. So he was relocating from California to back to Colorado. And last but not least, how is the deal financed or structured? Great question. So we had this deal lender pre-qualified. So we did an SBA deal. So they put 15% down, seller carry a little, and we got the deal done. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a good deal for all, and congratulations. Thank you, Jessica. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And we have a very special guest with us. We have Greg Geisenberger of Express Employment Professionals. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, family member, but he's been do- he's been in the industry for 15 years. And today we're talking about... You know, 2019, what's going on in the world and what to expect in 2020. And so it's a kind of a recap. And we definitely, one of the major things that small business is dealing with right now is the employment situation. And it is certainly a tight market. And so we wanted to bring Greg on, go over, you know, what did it look like in 2019 and what can we expect and what can we do in the future? So Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yes, 2019 certainly was a very tight labor market. We are experiencing the lowest unemployment levels in over 50 years. In 2019, we had nine months where the unemployment level was below 4% and it bottomed out at three and a half percent nationally. Historically, economists have always said that full employment is somewhere between four and a half to five percent. So we're really at very low unemployment levels. Yeah. And that and that is certainly a challenge to hire people. I mean, we haven't seen this kind of employment levels this low ever. I mean, like you said, 50 years, right? Correct. Been 50 years. So looking back, it obviously was a tight year and there's really no sign it's kind of letting up. Is there any sign that it's letting up? No, there's really not. You know, every month there still is job growth. You know, there's some promising things in terms of what economists would look at is that the labor participation rate is going up. 
we've seen a little bit of an increase in the unemployment rate, and it's really for the right reasons because more people are coming back into the workforce. Yeah, obviously we lost a ton of people in 2009, 2010, and you know, at points they were saying they weren't even counting a lot of people because they had left the labor market, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier and we were talking offline and, you know, small business up against the, you know, uh, baby boomers, uh, you know, what, what kind of effects are having the, on this tight labor market going forward? Well, th- there still has been an overall increase in the number of jobs, but at the same time, we have the demographics where more baby boomers are leaving leaving the workforce. So you've got a smaller generation coming in. You've got the, lo- the largest generation leaving the workforce. But that also provides some opportunities to companies and small business if they look at this correctly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a good time to go out and buy businesses. We've talked about that a lot. But when you buy business, and we've seen people buy businesses just to get the labor. I mean, we see that in the trades where they're uh, specifically plumbing and electrical, where people are can't find the, you know, the trained staff. So they're going out and buying companies. So you guys must be busy at Express. Well, yeah, yes, we're very busy. And there really are tremendous shortages in a lot of different, in the skilled trades, there's a tremendous shortage of people. In manufacturing, you know, there's still some talk, you know, is there a slowdown? Have things started to slow down there? But there's still a huge um, skill shortage and a lack of people who have been trained into what manufacturing really means these days. Right. So small business going forward, 2020, we don't see it slowing down. Baby boomers are leaving uh, the marketplace, either through selling their business or retiring. So what can a small business do? What are some of the things that we can do to kind of help small business uh, be ready for 2020? Well, one of the first pieces of advice that I would give is really retain your best people. Retain the people that you have and hold on to them tight. They have more options out there. There are more companies that are trying to attract them. So if you've got the right people, hold on to them tight. Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen that even in my own company. We've seen it in a lot of other companies that where you have to pay people, the wages have gone up over the last several years to keep your best talent. Yeah, and sometimes the national numbers can be a little bit misleading. You you look at how much the increase is year over year, What that doesn't factor in is that people, when they're taking a new job, often the increase that they're seeing that they they may get maybe 10, 15%. So that's, you know, doesn't factor quite in, but that that's really what you're up against that if a person is willing to leave, you know, there are companies that are willing to pay them substantially more. So if people, obviously that's one key thing to do is to keep your A's. Uh, we talk about rank, ranking people in my company, A's, B's, and C's. So you absolutely want to keep your A's. You might even want to keep your B's and obviously keep training your C's. So what else could they do to kind of uh, staff up over the next year? Yeah, hold on to the people. But what you can also do is, you know, look for ways to be creative to maybe get some additional people back into the workforce. You know, what we're seeing is a lot of baby boomers, you know, they may be retiring, but they're looking for part-time hours. If you can get them to come, what they bring is tremendous amount of experience, knowledge, a lot of things that they can bring to your company. And if you can work with them, provide a schedule that works for them as well as for you, it really can be a huge win-win. Yeah, we've certainly seen that. Even at Transworld, we're hiring people in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, we even have a couple of octogenarians that want to work. They just want to, you know, do something. They want to be uh, in the game and they got tired of being retired. And so that's, yeah, get definitely getting creative of 
taking people that are outside the workforce. Okay, so what else can we do to kind of attract people uh, when it's really a tight labor market? Well, I think really understand what, what they look for. And as you said, you know, a lot of those people are still very healthy. They still want to work. They have a lot of energy. They have a ton of experience. And if you can provide some flexibility, you know, the ability to take a summer vacation, to see family members, maybe to take certain hours off during the week. All of that stuff is important and is going to be part of their choice. And if you can accommodate that, you can get a great person. Another path is that there's a lot of people who want to work and may have issues in terms of childcare needs, childcare support, transportation. And if you can figure out ways to help them in their overall family life and their overall what they need, there again, you can get a very talented, very skilled person. Yeah, I've seen that a lot as well. I've been in my travels. I went to a place in Wilmington, Delaware. They have a hard time hiring people because it's Wilmington, Delaware, and they're bringing people from out of town. But they have all kinds of things. They have a place where you can actually have your dog at work. They have a dog sitting place where you could go visit your dog on your lunch hour. And they had workout place. I mean, it was a truly Google-like campus where uh, they could um, basically have all kinds of services for people. But hey, listen, we're seeing that even in small companies, uh, them being flexible and doing things like bringing in, uh, I, I saw one company had a really good telehealth program where people were getting like better benefits. Absolutely. And benefits are tremendously important to people. The cost of benefits has gone up significantly for businesses, but it's also gone up significantly for individuals. Most people are rightfully concerned about not having benefits and know the benefits are very important. And all things equal, when they're looking at a new job, if it's a good, strong benefit package, that goes a long way. The, the lack of benefits, the lack of a full package may lead them to an, another employer, to other choices. And they do have a lot of choices these days. Yeah. So again, finding people is hard. It's a tight labor market. And so I, you know, I know that I've used a professional like you before to hire people. What are the benefits of using someone like uh, yourself to go out to the marketplace? Well, most businesses, small businesses, mid-sized businesses are very busy. You, you've got a lot going on. You've got a lot to do. And when you have to hire, when, when you need, it's often at the wrong time. It's often at a time when you don't have the time, yet it's critically important. So this is really something that what we do, this is what we do day in, day out. This is what we focus on. So this is something where you really can, you make it very clear what you're looking for, not in any way settle for what you're going to get, but have this working in parallel to all the other things that you need to do to run and maintain your business on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah. And you made a point uh, before we even started talking today. It's such a tight labor market is that when you move, when you do find something good, and we tell this all the time to people who are buying a business, when you find something good, you better move, right? A absolutely. There's a couple of reasons for that. You know, the, the best candidates are being sought after. They have a lot of options. They're, they're going to move fast. They want to move fast. It's also what their expectations are. When you're moving slow, when you're delaying things, you're sending the wrong message. You're sending the wrong overall um, communication with them. You know, you, do, you don't want to hire the wrong person. You don't want to hire in a desperation mode. But when you do see the right person, you do want to move fast and get them through your process as quick as you can, you know, in hours or, hours or days. Wow. This has been really, really helpful, Greg. Is there any, like, last piece of advice that you have for people? And please give them your contact information if they want to get in touch with you. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's, it's really, it's, it's two things. It's going into, you know, this year, going into next year is, you know, re- retain your best people and um, hold on to them tight. Be thinking about what you need in the future. Be looking ahead of time. Always be seeking that out. And when you do see the right person, you know, move pretty quick. I can be reached at greg.geisenberger at expresspros.com or at 847-394-1142. Yeah, and we won't make you try to spell Geisenberger. We'll put it in the show notes. Greg, thanks so much for coming in today. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is Listing of the Week, and I have a very special guest. I have Melissa Patel from Transworld Business Advisors of D.C. Metro, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And welcome, Melissa. You have a nice little business for sale. We do. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. We have a great jewelry business for sale. It's a 10-year-old fine artisan jewelry business. Um, It's a perfect opportunity for an aspiring business owner and artist. Um, Low maintenance, profitable business, uh, very minimal staff requirement. And the beautiful part is that she doesn't own the inventory. All the inventory is on consignment from artists and jewelers from all over the world and local artists and jewelers. She has casual jewelry from a $75 pair of earrings to $25,000 engagement rings. It's a great business for a solo practitioner with, again, with minimal uh, employment <clears throat> employees needed uh, to run the business. Uh, she holds private events for her top clients. Um, the average ticket price, uh, this average sale price is usually around $700 a customer. Wow. It's a nice size business. Yeah, it's it, it's really great. Um, the price of the business is $262,000. And um, the seller's discretionary earnings is around $103,000. So it's a a nice, yeah, she's doing about $415,000 in sales. So it's a great size business, uh, a little boutique uh, in in the heart of Washington, D.C. Yeah, and those are the kind of businesses I love. You know, artisan business uh, can't be replicated easily. Certainly, uh, you could probably, is she selling some of her stuff online as well? She is. Yes. And the online sales are going up. Um, and, and, but you know, people do like to walk in and feel some of these expensive jewelry items as well. So there's a, there's a combination. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great deal. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and learn more, how best to get in touch with you? Sure. They can call my cell phone directly, uh, 202-800-4060 or email me at melissa.patel at tworld.com. Perfect. Sounds like a great business uh, for someone to jump on right away. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like, but you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta, keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. 
With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.